And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and partner at the law firm Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are a Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us and subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter by going to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter to keep up to date on our show or visit our website to view our entire podcast library of previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews. During this episode, we're going to be discussing a scam-like situation that is affecting more and more churches. If you are a member of a church, this is a cautionary tale you need to hear. Today, our guest is Richard Wagner, a former member of a Baptist church in the western suburbs of Chicago that effectively dissolved due to being oppressively mismanaged by a new pastor who seemed to deliberately drive away the bulk of the congregation. Under this pastor's leadership, if you can call it that, many members left or lost their positions within the church. Ministries were shut down, worship services all but ceased, and the church assets were dissipated. After most of the members were driven away by this new pastor, and only he and a few friends and family remained, the church building was sold, and the funds diverted for his support. But not the congregation itself, which was gone. Richard was an active member of this church since its formation, and was instrumental in seeking legal action to rectify the situation. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks, Whit, for having me. It's good to be with you today. Uh, Richard, can you tell us uh, a little bit about the background of the events that led to the uh, uh, the dissolution, or at least the the going out of business, it would seem, of uh, the church that you belong to? The church was uh, under some financial pressures uh, due to dwindling um, membership. Uh, people were leaving left and right, uh, apparently uh, without any reason. Uh, their statements were, we felt God was calling us to another location, when really that was uh, a disguise not to uh, talk about uh, the issues they were having with the pastor. Uh, in doing so, we found ourselves at a point, uh, and the pastor recognized it, that uh, he would have to either lose his position or become bivocational, which he brought to us. Um, we we formed a committee. Richard, let me let me interrupt you just so people know what what does bivocational mean? Bivocational means he's no longer a full time paid uh, uh, pastor with uh, full benefits. That he will probably more than likely have to find another job to supplement his uh, income. So he works on a a part time basis, a part time pastor. Okay. And I'm sorry, I interrupted what you were saying. He, you, you, right. or, uh, you started talking about him becoming bivocational. 
Right. He actually brought that to us uh, as the church leaders. We formed a committee to uh, look into what bivocational meant and how we would approach it, what would be sufficient income for he and his family. Uh, the committee uh, drew up a, agreed upon a program uh, and uh, presented it to him, uh, which was perhaps uh, a number in terms of uh, money twice that of what a normal bivocational church of uh, uh, a population or membership of less than 67 uh, uh, members would pay. And uh, uh, his job that he had secured was uh, a very healthy uh, uh, full-time package uh, with a, uh, an organization paying him uh, a nice salary, expenses, vehicle, and so forth. And so we thought it was quite um, adequate uh, above and beyond what we, we could afford. Uh, in the contract, it was uh, something reviewable on a six-month uh, basis to see how that would work. Um, after a number of times, uh, him agreeing to uh, sign it uh, and uh, go with it, he refused uh, on probably more than three uh, different occasions to sign the contract. And with that uh, uh, refusal and his uh, kind of lying to us in, in specific terms, um, we as a committee decided to um, call a uh, business meeting uh, calling for his termination. And when that happened, uh, uh, all the fireworks began, and uh, which led well, let to... Me stop, let me stop you right here because I want to come back uh, to that point. Uh, but this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm with Brisky of the law firm Malkin Baker. Today we're speaking with Richard Wagner, whose church uh, was permanently affected by a destructive pastor. And Richard, I want to ask you, what are some of the signs uh, of behaviors or characteristics of the pastor and his uh, actions that kind of alerted people to concern about this particular pastor? There was a lack of his fulfilling responsibilities as a pastor, uh, whether it be full-time or, or part-time, uh, his failure for visitation, his uh, uh, failures in uh, uh, visitation for hospitals. He wasn't uh, being in the office uh, on a regular daily basis. Uh, he was staying at home uh, with situations of members calling that he was at home uh, babysitting uh, on a number of occasions because of his wife and schooling and the large family that he had. Um, conflicts that he was having with members. Uh, he was, uh, he, we had a church school. He pulled his children out of that school. Uh, he, uh, his wife and children were not attending Sunday school class or church on a regular basis. There were just some signs that, uh, began to grow and people were more and more noticing. He, uh, was not hanging around to greet people at the end of service or at the beginning of service. He would show up, uh, rather, uh, a few minutes before service to, to preach. So there were some subtle signs that gradually kept building in, uh, in, along that line. Well, it seems a little bit more than subtle. Uh, uh, you know, it sounds like he kind of mailed it in the last, uh, the last so many months. 
Uh, but uh, yes. uh, so so you got to this uh, business meeting and uh, and and there were fireworks and, and what happened then? Well, he stepped in uh, when the letter was uh, to, uh, printed up an announcement to go out. He stepped in and um, uh, put a halt to it. He instructed the church secretary and clerk to uh, not send it out, uh, that we would not conduct the business meeting. Um, a few of the members that were on the committee who I guess have had situations in prior churches or family members being pastors who have been in situations like that decided to bow out and leave the church. Uh, so uh, members began to leave uh, and we we lost power or any control to to uh, override the situation. He stated in a letter written to um, three of uh, the key people, which I was one of those individuals, that we were no longer uh, uh, officers or deacons or any uh, hold any position in the in the church, uh, and that we were going to be put on probation. Uh, according to him and uh, his his authority as pastor, and we uh, uh, we really took offense uh, of that, and um, thus uh, with without any power base to further challenge him due to lack of membership, um, uh, we decided to uh, um, back off. There was nothing that we could do. Okay, and uh, so. In effect, the pastor prevented you from from doing anything by by not holding a business meeting when it had been properly requested, and by right. essentially driving away anybody who was his opponent, driving away or suspending or putting on probation all these all these folks who wouldn't approve of what he did. Is that right? Correct. Correct. All right. So is is this the point? Uh, where you eventually sought uh, the assistance of Malkin Baker? Uh, not immediately. Uh, this, uh, we did not see the need for this because we felt the Constitution that was on record uh, and with the church, uh, the um, church as a, a structure and um, a financial entity was secure and that should anything happen where uh, the church would have to be dissolved and sold, it would go to uh, a designation that we, um, uh, we, we thought would be appropriate. And uh, uh, unfortunately, um, he had, uh, uh, when, when all of us uh, had left uh, and there was such a small group, he decided to lease the church out to another organization, and after a couple of years, that lease dissolved, and he put a for sale sign up. When we saw that uh, for sale sign up, that's when we, we knew something was wrong, and we wanted to uh, uh, pursue legal advice, and right. uh, uh, we sought, sought your organization out. We'll, uh, we'll discuss this uh, after the break. Uh, we'll talk further with Richard Wagner and how his church was forced to dissolve due to an unpopular pastor who drove much of the congregation away. I'm Whit Brisky, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
In the wide, confusing world of law and lawyers, it's tough to find someone you can trust that shares your Christian values for legal advice and representation. You can trust Mauk and Baker, a Christian law firm based in Chicago that serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal matters. They seek to represent clients like you with integrity and care by using biblical principles as the foundation of their work. Additionally, their monthly newsletter highlights what's current in the religious liberty arena, keeping you informed on your right to worship, whether that's on the street, in public school, or within the walls of your church. Subscribe to their newsletter at maukbaker.com slash newsletter. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com slash newsletter. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Mauk and Baker at 312-726-1243. Call and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. That's 312-726-1243. 43. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Richard Wagner, former attender at a Baptist church in the suburbs of Chicago, about why he and other members decided to take legal action against their pastor. Uh, Richard, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the assets of the church being uh, siphoned off or, or uh, allocated where they shouldn't belong. And normally in a uh, not-for-profit corporation, all the uh, assets have to be devoted to the not-for-profit purpose. And similarly for a church, it all has to go to the ministry. So how is it that uh, um, this pastor is benefiting by uh, the sale of the building? Basically, he just has to uh, sit back and do nothing. Uh, just uh, wait uh, if he puts it up for sale or uh, look for someone to uh, lease out the building uh, to receive income uh, from uh, from the building and the church uh, itself. Okay. And so that, that money was is sitting with the, ch- with the old church organization, and he's still collecting a salary for essentially doing nothing, right? Absolutely. And that's right. still and that's still happening. I think that's still a question. Know. Yes. It's still it's still happening and the question is uh uh and whose control is that is that money? Okay. And uh now do you think he had this in mind uh from the beginning while the people were leaving? I mean, isn't that something that you would be concerned about having people leave the church uh but he continued to do what he was doing? Well, there's a concern always when uh, you see the church uh, uh, fall to the levels it was and what's going to happen to the church. However, we felt comfortable that the Constitution uh, was in place that would secure that, preventing any any uh, uh, possibility of, of what has taken place. Um, okay. However, there were no you know uh, immediate signs that said this was his intention, but I think once... Uh, uh, all things begin to unfold, I think it became, became a, a uh, intentional plan on his part. All right. And uh, has, has this uh, whole situation affected your ability to trust others uh, who claim to be Christians, others in the body of Christ? No, it hasn't uh, deterred my ability to uh, trust others. What it has... Uh, brought 
for, for me is to make sure I question uh, and assure that this type of mistake does not uh, occur again and that there is specific information uh, or dialogue within the Constitution that totally prevents any anything like this uh, ever occurring to uh, the church I'm part of or anyone else that I might be able to um, help out. Well, that's you, but do you suppose there, that other people have a different reaction uh, of a lack of trust or a, a uh, being turned off by this kind of situation? I would have to say yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, not everybody obviously feels the way I do, and I think there have been many people uh, in uh, uh, God's people in the congregations who have been uh, severely burnt uh, and have been uh, turned off and, and find it difficult to trust again. And so they may not, uh, after this given church uh, goes out of business, uh, they may not join another church, or it may take a uh, Well, you know, they may not join it, but they certainly may be very reluctant in their tithing, and the amounts of tithing they may share because of, of that until they're able to gain the trust. All right, and of course, the, the ministries, everything that uh, your former, uh, this former congregation did uh, has now essentially stopped. So all of its ministries are no longer serving the kingdom, right? Um, well, they're not serving it at, at that location. Uh, I think there is a good, a good number of the people who left uh, our church um, have uh, gone to other um, uh, churches and become members. Um, I know there was a large body that uh, went with with us to to our next church. But okay. uh, yes, I, I, I think there there's some certainly there's got to be some offfall, but I couldn't I, I can't speculate on that. Rip. Okay, okay, and uh, the uh, I would think that anyone who would hear about this dispute, uh, especially non-Christians, would look at this and say, you know, what is this uh, that these people have to go to court uh, to, uh, to justify or to, to get their rights under the Church's Constitution? Well, I think, as you may recall, Rick, um, we struggled with this, and we tried to resolve it um, uh, scripturally, uh, as it calls out, um, uh, in the Bible, on how to approach situations like this, and we even um, brought uh, you into this, uh, and we tried at every means to settle this um, with uh, with the gentleman, with this, our, our, I call him my former pastor, uh, as God would have it. But when uh, when he failed to uh, want to comply or realize that. He was at fault, and he was doing nothing wrong. Um, we had no recourse but to seek legal advice, and we we sought out uh, uh, your organization because it was uh, faith-based. Well, I know that uh, I remember our discussion early on about uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and Matthew 18 and how we reconciled that uh, within this particular situation. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker, and we're speaking with Richard Wagner about how he and other members 
were affected by uh, what is really corrupt leadership in their in their church. Um, you know, this is not an isolated incident. Um, we have, as lawyers, have seen this happen in quite a few, um, mostly small, uh, independent or uh, congregational-based churches, uh, because uh, the, the 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 protection of a larger denomination to uh, ensure and police the pastors is not there, uh, and it certainly is not an isolated occurrence. In fact, uh, did you learn subsequently that uh, the pastor who had been your part-time pastor uh, had become a pastor somewhere else as well? Yes, yes, we had uh, part-time, correct. And uh, that was about, uh, I think, an hour's drive or so away from uh, your your church? Yes, the church was seeking a bivocational pastor as well, and uh, within the association that we were a member of, so uh, he answered their call, and uh, they brought him on. Well, that's a if you're going to have services on Sunday morning, it's pretty hard to preach in both of those places that are an hour apart. Uh, so uh, it, it it required him to change the service time, I think. Yes, he did. did. He uh, he elected to uh, conduct uh, their service at the regular morning one service. Uh, during uh, uh, the 10 o'clock or 10.30 hour, and then he rescheduled uh, what members were left of the congregation uh, or wanting to attend uh, around uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Which, uh, you know, might interfere with Bears games uh, or such like. Um, I'm sure, but uh, I guess that was never a thought on his part. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, this is, as I said, not a, an isolated occurrence, and uh, I've recently uh, uh, written an article for our newsletter uh, about wolves in shepherd's clothing, as I call them, these pastors who sort of believe that the assets of the church sort of belong to them and that they're untouchable, and uh, all too often uh, the membership disappears, leaving them with a, a church building which is sold and uh, and then the money somehow through whatever means ends up in the uh, in the pastor's pocket. So, uh, what uh, what do you think uh, the church ought to do to prevent this kind of thing from happening? Uh, I believe the members need to assure that their constitution is written specifically, and the uh, pastor uh, has by no means means any authority or power to touch any of the financial finances uh, in any way or means. All right. R Richard, we uh, appreciate your speaking with us today. And uh, it, it's, it is important, which I want to emphasize, uh, to take the steps to strengthen your um, lay leadership and to really uh, make sure that the church has a contract with the pastor uh, so that all of the uh, relationships are written down and can be enforced by the court. Thank you. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 
888-212-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Malk & Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. Call us and mention Lawyers for Jesus for a free consultation. If you missed part of this show and want to listen online, go to malkbaker.com forward slash radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner at Malk and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 